Well, uh, we are in the book of Acts, and we're in the, uh, we're in the 12th, the 13th chapter. And, uh, and this is really a very interesting chapter. I will say that, um, you know, uh, uh, this morning, after preparing the message, I, I remembered a little book that I have about the travels of uh, Paul by Richard Longenecker. And uh, so I spent a long time this morning looking for that book, could not find it. But uh, I'm sure that after the service is over, as I said to everybody here, uh, as soon as the service is over and I'm sitting at my desk, I will stare, just gaze at the wall of books in the office, and my eyes will immediately gravitate to exactly where that book is. I'm sure that will happen. But I, it was very meaningful to me, and I actually remember everything that I was going to say about it, but it would have been nice to hold it up. But that's all right. This, is, this chapter 13 is a very important chapter. This begins, you know, the, the, travels of, the travels of Paul. So we learn a lot from the beginning of, of this about calling and about the, the, the work that they did and how they did it. And also still the, um, um, the, the challenges, you know, that they faced and, and so on. And there's a lot that we can learn from this chapter. It comes in two parts. The first part of the chapter is the calling of we'll just say Barnabas and Saul, to go out on their first journey. They go to Cyprus, and they visit believers in Cyprus, okay, in a varieties of different cities on the island of Cyprus. The second half of the chapter is a, uh, is a speech that Paul gives. Uh, and what's really fun to do, uh, if you like to do these things, and that is to compare that speech of Paul in chapter 13 to his speech in chapter 17, because he's, he's sharing the good news to two entirely different audiences. And we will see in upcoming weeks, uh, maybe months, uh, uh, the contrast of those messages to different audiences. But we want to focus today on the first half of the chapter of Barnabas and Saul being sent out. We're going to learn a lot here. All right, so we began this last time, but now we're going to um, uh, move forward. Uh, now, uh, there was at Antioch in the congregation that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and, and Simeon, who were called Niar and uh, Lucius uh, of Cyrene, and Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, uh, and Saul. Someday I'm going to do a little study on that Manaean who had been brought up with Herod. That might be an interesting thing to find some things out. Uh, then when they had fasted, oh, I'm sorry. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they were sent away. And uh, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. Okay, we want to look at these verses first. All right, so we see uh, that all these people, all these leaders and teachers are ministering, but then the Ruach calls out Barnabas and Saul, to, for a special task, for a special task, all right? And uh, so they're set apart. 
for the work which I've called them. Then notice it says, then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they were sent away. By saying that when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, this was like a commission, you know, like, like a commissioning kind of moment. It wasn't just sort of saying, you know, Barnabas says to Saul, I feel led that we should go to Cyprus. Uh, and so let's go. No, uh, that they, uh, under the authority, interestingly, under the authority of the congregation at Antioch, they were sent out. Their hands were laid on them. Hands being laid on them meant a number of different things. You know, it, it meant uh, having uh, the, um, you know, being commissioned, us uh, being sent out, uh, representing this congregation at Antioch. It also uh, meant uh, that they were under the authority of the congregation at Antioch. Okay? Uh, and of course, which also meant under the authority of God, uh, uh, clearly. All right? Uh, and, and I think that it's very important that, you know, uh, we have done that in the past here. I remember a long, a long time ago, a long time ago, bringing Seth Clayman up to the front of the congregation. And uh, some, sometimes it's called receiving like a, a licensure, uh, a license to teach and preach. Not like a license, like you're going to show a license to somebody, but like a commissioning, like being sent out from a local congregation. It's not the same thing as smicha, not the same thing exactly as ordination, uh, but it, it's sort of like a one level below that. It was it, it's sort of like recognizing uh, a call on your life. We're sending you to a particular place to do something. And, uh, and we've done that, you know, we've done that before. And, and, uh, and it's important that that's why it's so important, certainly, to be part of a local community, a local congregation. Uh, you don't see too many lone rangers. Paul was not a lone ranger. Barnabas was not a lone ranger. They were sent out. And, uh, and under authority, because we're all under, under uh, authority. I remember uh, many, many years ago <clears throat> at a congregation called Olive Tree Congregation in Chicago, when uh, uh, two things happened in my life. One was being sent to Columbus, Ohio uh, in August of 1980. <laughs> you know, I, to, I was working uh, for a... Uh, um, a board that was American, and it was a it was a, a reaching Jewish people. I got all, almost all the words in there of the organization, right? It used to be called ABMJ. I'll just go with that, right? Some of you are saying, "I never heard of that. What is that?" Uh, that was uh, before they uh, they changed their name to Chosen People Ministries uh, many, many, many years ago. And that was an interesting uh, that was an interesting. Uh, decision also that I actually was a little involved in. But anyway, I, uh, I was in this small congregation and met in the basement of, of a building. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, they pray, the, the leaders there prayed over me and I went off to Columbus, came, came here in 1980. Uh, and then uh, a little bit later on, the following year, about a year and a half later, I went back to that very same congregation uh, and I was, uh, to use the term, uh, ordained uh, uh, back in, uh, that was in December of 1981, uh, ordained, where 
where you had this group of uh, leaders uh, question me about my, I had to turn in like a doctrinal statement and then they questioned me about it. And Janet was there. We had been married about a month. Can you imagine that? We're married a month, uh, you know, and, and the, dealing with all of that. Uh, and, uh, uh, and it was, you know, it was very uh, worthwhile. It was very fulfilling. And they had all recognized a calling on my life. And, uh, and there you go. And of course, I speak for many others that, that have had that experience. Uh, and, uh, and I think that a question that we all might want to ask, uh, that we all might want to ask ourselves, you know, uh, is uh, perhaps, I wonder if God is calling me, and how do you know that if God is calling me? Well, you know, in the situation right here, they were serving in this congregation in Antioch, right? They were teaching, preaching, doing ministry, uh, and uh, the Spirit of God, the Ruach, I uh, spoke to them and evidently the, the leadership of the congregation and they were all in agreement and sent them out. Uh, Paul was not a young man uh, uh, here. This is not like, oh, they were 17 years old and, and now here they're sent out or, or they're 19 or 21 or, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. They were already uh, engaged uh, in other parts of their life. And, you know, God calls us at all kinds of ages. I think we have somebody here at Beth Messiah, in fact, that spent the first half of their working life uh, working in a, a managerial, a high managerial position in a, at a, um, a big uh, medical pharmaceutical company, perhaps, uh, that uh, really uh, recognized God's calling on his life and, and ended up going to seminary, getting uh, some degrees and uh, who's a member of Beth Messiah. How could that be, right? That's how God works. So it doesn't matter what age you are, and it doesn't matter what your training is in. If God calls you, he calls you, right? And, and provides the opportunity. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, you have to have the motive, but the means and the opportunity are there. You know, God uh, certainly uh, uh, provides. So um, uh, I... I I think that when we read these passages, I think it's a good thing for us to think about that in our own lives, you know? Uh, and, uh, and so there, you know, there, there you go. So they fasted and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Fasting, praying, and laying their hands on them. Very important, okay? Very good. And they go off to Cyprus. Cyprus, it's an island, right? And they, and they go to different cities in, uh, you know, in, in Cyprus, right? So then, it's, uh, so then uh, this issue of John uh, is interesting. In verse 5, they began to proclaim in the synagogue of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. Now, helper here is not like uh, parakaleo. It's not the word for like, you know, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Uh, you, know, you know, it's a different word. It means like attendant. It's a very basic word. It means attending to someone's needs. So uh, this is this uh, John is the one whose also name was Mark, John Mark. That who, if you remember back in the last chapter, when Peter uh, was in prison and uh, and people were praying, they were praying in the house of Mary, who is John Mark's mother. Okay. So we know that he is from a family of Messianic Jews. He's from Jerusalem. He's a Jerusalem Jew. 
And evidently his family uh, were you know, in some kind of prominent place and that they were gathered in his mother's house uh, uh, to pray uh, for Peter. He is going to have a very interesting role to play here and in subsequent chapters. Okay, now then it also says they began to, uh, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, in the synagogue of the Jews, synagogues of the Jews. Most of us here at Beth Messiah uh, are aware that um, uh, in Paul's travels, his methodology was to go to the synagogue, right? He went to the synagogue first. He goes to the synagogue first almost everywhere he goes. And you know, at the very end of this chapter, the end, the very end of chapter 13, uh, you read uh, here about how uh, they're, they're in the synagogues and people are begging them to continue. Next Shabbat, tell us more, tell us more, right? And But then it says in verse 45, if you go all the way down to about the end of the chapter, close to the end of the chapter, it says, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming, right? So, you know, one of the things you learn here that being called doesn't mean that everybody loves you. Being called doesn't mean that, um, uh, you know, that means I'm going to be a, a person, I'm going to lead, uh, you know, throngs to the Lord, and I'm going to be rich and famous, and, and, uh, and, and by that success, by that sign, God's hand is on me because I'm famous, and, uh, and everybody knows who I am, and, and, and I'm just Mr. Success. No, what you read here is uh, that uh, if we used our, our um, standard of what success means in our world, these people would not have been successful, <laughs> okay? Uh, we probably would say, you, you know, you're doing something wrong, Paul. Why are you, why is it that people aren't receiving what you're saying? You must be doing something wrong, right? Because if you were really successful, it'd be completely different right? Okay, so we see, just like Yeshua, right? Same, same uh, issue. The criteria of success is not uh, everybody loves me, <laughs> okay? But it is uh, doing the right thing. And uh, remember that we, we, we have an audience of one, right? Uh, in whom we must please, and that indeed is the, is the Lord. Then it says in verse 46, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Since you repudiated and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Now, some might read that and say, you see, the, now historically, the good news went to Israel first, but now, now Barnabas and Saul are turning from the Jews and now going to the Gentiles. Well, evidently, they didn't quite get that message. Because if you go to the first verse of the next chapter, the first verse of the next chapter, chapter 14, and it came about that in Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a great multitude believed, both Jews and Greeks. Well, how do you like those apples, as, as we say? Okay, we're shaking the dust off our feet. We're turning to the Gentiles, but the first place they go in the next place is to a synagogue. 
and we see this over and over and over again. You know, the congregation at Corinth, if you read in the 16th chapter, it began in a synagogue, right? The congregation at, at Corinth. And uh, that's an interesting story when we get there. But this was their uh, methodology. I, Paul always began, I'll say just about, always began going to a city, going to the Jewish quarter, going to the place where he would be initially uh, perhaps accepted as a Jewish person, but recognizing that while, like he says in the book of Romans, that he magnifies his ministry to Gentiles, that in some way he might bring to the Lord Jewish people. Uh, and, and so a very, very important that we see this, that that never gets lost uh, here. You know, another thing that, uh, that, that we learn here uh, is that when you read the letters of Paul to these different congregations, he takes a collection for the believers in Jerusalem. You know, and so it's very interesting that he's sent out by this congregation in uh, Antioch, but he receives uh, gifts for the congregation in Jerusalem. So he never loses that understanding of the, you know, of uh, the, um, the, the primacy of Jerusalem, you know, and of uh, uh, bringing the good news uh, to, to Jewish people, right? He never loses that. Uh, even if he gets frustrated at times, he never loses that. Uh, and that's very important. So here he goes to Cyprus. Now, maybe they went to Cyprus because it was uh, Barnabas' hometown. It was where Barnabas was from, uh, the island of Cyprus. And so perhaps that's why they went to Cyprus. We don't know. But there were Jews uh, in all of these places. And that is uh, where they uh, began. So now we read in verse 6, And when they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, they found a certain magician. And this is very interesting. A Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar Yeshua. <laughs> right? Of course, in our Messianic world, we can't decide whether we should call him Bar Yeshua or do we call him Bar Jesus. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, uh, Bar, I'll go with Bar Yeshua. Why not? Right? So there's irony even in his name. Clearly, there's irony in his name, right? But uh, he is, we learned that he is a Jewish false prophet and he's a magician. So here, even though he was Jewish, he was practicing what a lot of people do, syn uh, syncretizing together uh, false worship and, you know, perhaps uh, some, uh, you know, uh, uh, true Jewish worship uh, all together, but clearly a false prophet, right? And we see that he had an intention. His goal was to dissuade people from believing in Yeshua, to dissuade people from believing in, in Yeshua. Because we read here, he was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. Uh, this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought the hearing of the word of God. But Elymas, that was his real name, and interesting, you know, means to be wise, the, the, the name itself. A lot of irony here. But Elymas, the magician, for thus his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Probably not because he had certain uh, religious convictions, uh, but probably because he wanted the attention of this proconsul. The proconsul was like the magistrate on the island, right? 
Uh, he was like the, the government leader uh, of, the, of the province, we might say, uh, of, of that area. And so uh, he was an intelligent man. And like many of, of the uh, Roman uh, leaders, inquisitive, inquisitive, right? And so he has this uh, Bar Yeshua sort of entertaining him, perhaps. Uh, but he calls upon Barnabas and Saul because he wants to hear about it. And, uh, and perhaps Barnabas and Saul are like squeezing out uh, Elymas, right? Uh, and so he's trying to dissuade this proconsul uh, from believing. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and we see here uh, that when, when Saul, he's not yet called Paul, when Saul sees this, you know, we know that he had, he, uh, when anybody, uh, we might say, was tinkering with the work he was doing, he was not happy about it. And, and, uh, and he let him know, right? There's some other, other places in the Bridchad Ashar where we read that, where we see that. But it says now in verse 9, in verse 9, very important verse, but Saul, who was also known as, or also Paul, from now on, from Acts 13.9, for the rest of it, it's Paul. This, and, and, and very interestingly, Luke, you know, who wrote this, may I suggest, had an agenda uh, by, at this point, calling him Paul. Okay? He says to Elymas, first of all, he looks at him right in the eye. He stares at him intently. You who are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? When Paul saw here that Elymas was trying to dissuade someone from receiving the message, he pulls no punches, and he recognizes that this is an enemy, no matter who they are, that this is an enemy. And it's no uh, small thing that it says here in the second part of, by the way, in verse 9, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Ruach, fixed his gaze on him. So may I suggest that, you know, in Ephesians chapter 6, when Paul says our battle is not against flesh and, flesh and blood, but, you know, forces of darkness and so on and so forth, that here you see here, it wasn't just Paul versus Elymas. This was a light versus darkness. The spirit of God versus the enemy. And we need to realize that God has given us, via the Ruach, an authority to speak against those who are bringing, who, those who are like anti-Yeshua people. Anti-Yeshua people. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, uh, people that uh, might hold varieties of views that, that you don't agree with about other things. We're talking about people that are actively engaged in dissuading 
people from believing the gospel. Some of you may be familiar with an organization you hardly hear from anymore called Jews for Judaism, right? Uh, they were an organization who are actively engaged in dissuading Jewish people from believing in Yeshua. Doing what, lie, cheating, and stealing, whatever it might take to dissuade a Jewish person uh, from Yeshua. That is clearly not of God. Clearly not of God. And here, you, you see it here. And, and, uh, and so, when, you know, clearly when a person is called like Paul, like Barnabas, right? Uh, it's not easy going. It's not easy going. Again, a sign of success doesn't mean it's easy going. No, uh, there was a lot of warfare here, a lot of spiritual warfare going on, and we need to recognize it uh, for indeed what it is. Now, at the end of the day, it didn't mean that now thousands were going to come to faith. No, Paul did not see that. You see it here, and you see it also in Athens. When he gives that amazing speech in chapter 17, at the very end of it, it says, and a few, and a few came to believe. So it's not about numbers. It, it, you know what I mean? It's not about numbers. It's about obedience. It's about walking with God, and, you know, and, and it's about uh, uh, walking, uh, you know, in the, in the power of the, of the Ruach, right? Okay. So he calls it the way it is. Then we read, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. You know, doesn't that sound a little familiar? You know, Paul was one of these people earlier on in his life. Paul was one of these people who was really bad. I mean, he would uh, uh, find Messianic Jews and haul them off to Jerusalem you know, to really uh, have a lot of problems. And, and, uh, and he was right there at the stoning of Stephen, like cheering them on. And then on the road to Damascus, he has this unbelievable experience with God and he becomes blind. Perhaps he sees this in uh, Elymas, like you were like me at one time, you know? Uh, and so that's uh, rather interesting. And so it says, and immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. We don't know what takes place with him, but clearly we see that uh, uh, in this episode that Paul, this is where he takes charge. This is where we see him take charge and speaking directly to this enemy of the faith. And we see what happens next. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Very important that uh, he's amazed not only at this exchange between Paul and Elymas, but he is amazed at the teaching that went along with it. And so he believes. Now, you may be saying, you know, Sergius Paulus, I never really heard of him, but he is a, a very important pivotal figure here. He is not a proselyte. He has not been a blessing to Israel. He, uh, you know, he's not a Cornelius. He is a Roman government official. 
And here he comes to faith. And notice that Paul does not say anything to him about, you need to go to the synagogue, uh, you know, uh, you need to be circumcised or anything like that, just as he believes. Now, how do we know that this was really radical? We know it's really radical by a little statement that seems like it's just a little added thing, but it is very significant. When it says in verse 13, now Paul and his companions put out, see now it's Paul and his companions. Do you notice that? It's not Barnabas and Saul anymore. It's Paul and his companions. Paul now takes charge. He now is in charge. Okay? All right. Now, Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And it says here, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. That little phrase, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem, is actually important. Because in chapter 15, we know that uh, Paul and Barnabas, you know, they loved each other, but they had a very, uh, they had a big disagreement at the end of chapter 15. And what was the disagreement about? It was about whether John, Mark, should continue to go with them. Okay, so we read here in verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, now you see, notice Paul said to Barnabas, let's go, right? Again, Paul's in charge. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And Barnabas was desire of taking John, called Mark, along with them also, but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work, gone on with them to the work. Paul was very much a strategist. He said, listen, this guy, he couldn't, uh, you know, he left us after Sergius Paulus came to faith. He left us. I don't want to take him anymore. Barnabas says, I want to take him. You know? And it tells you, it tells you a couple of things. One is uh, that Barnabas obviously saw in John Mark uh, potential. He saw in John Mark, okay, he might have deserted us in Pamphylia, but let's give him another chance. Let's give him another chance. You know? Uh, and what does Barnabas' name mean? Encourager. He was a real encourager. But there, also, there is something else about the relationship of Barnabas and John Mark. And if this was a Bible study, I'd ask you if anybody might know what it is. I won't turn there for the sake of time, but in Colossians chapter 4, we learn that they're cousins. <laughs> we learn that they're related. Okay. Uh, uh, but, you know, in, uh, in Colossians chapter 4, where you read that, Paul is saying, give them, he's speaking very positively of Barnabas uh, and John Mark. He speaks very positively. So Paul does, never holds a grudge uh, against them. Uh, but 
I, we read in Acts chapter 15 that he decides that he and Barnabas need to go their separate ways, both do ministry, and Paul takes another person with him by the name of Silas. He takes another person with him by the name of Silas, who was also a Roman citizen, which was also very helpful that both he and Paul would be able to go places where they might not have been able to go other times. It just goes to show you that when you follow the leading of the Lord and you know, and sometimes you agree to disagree and you go different ways, that it doesn't mean failure, you know, or even necessarily sin. But there's a lot of blades of grass to chew on, you know, in the, in the big pasture. And that's, uh, you know, really, I, it's an important lesson. We'll come back to that when we get to Acts chapter 15. But here I think that, that uh, this, uh, this uh, passage here in Acts chapter 13 you know, is significant because here, this was something new and different. Here, Barnabas and Saul are called, they go to Cyprus, they go to the synagogues, uh, and here, something that they did not expect to happen takes place, and that is that the Roman magistrate comes to believe, and it's too much for John Mark to, to take, and so he deserts them, and he leaves. You know, sometimes when you're called, there can be all kinds of things that go on. That's why how important it is to know that you're called and to remember your calling uh, and, and to have a thick skin and to recognize that God is the one whom we, whom we please. Uh, otherwise, you never make it to the end of the journey, uh, you know, uh, and that's so very important. So this first half of chapter 13 speaks to us a lot about calling in our lives. And remember that we're all called to be Messiah followers. We're all called to be separated unto God, to have Yeshua as our king. And that means that um, some uh, difficulty might come our way. That does not mean that you're doing something wrong. It does not mean that a God is not blessing you. No, persecution, it comes with the territory. And even, uh, you know, here, uh, uh, going uh, and, and having their ha hands laid on them and going out, you know, recognizing this is the call of God, uh, it, it, it's not easy going. And that's why we always say about people that uh, desire to be, a, you know, uh, in like a vocational ministry, you got to make sure that you have a calling and you got to remember it because there's going to be times when no one's going to be happy with you. Uh, and so, you know, you can just fold up and, you know, sort of burn out and, and that's it. And how many of our colleagues that we knew many years ago have not made it uh, to the end without just sort of giving in or giving up or, you know, selling insurance or something? I don't know, doing, you know, uh, just saying it's enough already. But no, not when you're called, not when you're called, because you realize that this is what God has called me to do. And you end up over the course of time making a difference in people's lives. Sometimes you don't know it even, you know, but sticking with the program. And that's what Paul does here. He sticks with the program and Barnabas too. Barnabas, even though now Paul has taken the, um, you know, uh, he's got the marquee. Barnabas doesn't run away. Barnabas doesn't say, hey, wait a minute. I thought it was, I thought my name was first. <laughs> you know, uh, that he's still right there with Paul and serving the Lord to the end. 
Uh, and uh, so may it be a lesson to us and a challenge to us, because remember that we're all called. So may we all continue. May we all be sharing the good news of Messiah Yeshua. Uh, may we all be demonstrating life in Messiah. Uh, and may we all be bringing that message to the synagogues uh, and to whoever will listen. You know, that, that's what we read here in the first half of this, uh, of this chapter. Uh, I would call it a great word uh, of, of, of encouragement. You know, and I will just say, uh, lastly, that when you read uh, a, a book like uh, Second Timothy, Second Timothy, uh, Timothy was uh, being mentored by Paul, and he was discouraged. And at the beginning uh, of it, he says, remember when I laid hands on you? Remember, I knew your grandmother. I knew your mother. I laid hands on you. Don't forget that calling. So for all of us, may we never forget that calling. Never forget when you came to know Messiah Yeshua. Never forget that moment when you knew you belonged to him. Whatever, whenever that was and whatever circumstance that was. Remember that. Never let that go. Because life can beat you down. But let us stay above the fray. Remembering uh, in whom we dwell. Remembering to whom we belong. Remembering that calling on all of our lives. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, thank you, Lord, that you call all of us. And all of us are called to ministry in some way, shape, or form. And I pray, Lord, that we would never forget it. And I pray, Lord, that we would really listen to your ruach. And, uh, and uh, we might be able to really have a, a, a vision and be part of a congregation like Beth Messiah that will engender our, uh, you know, uh, our calling and give us opportunity to serve. Uh, and, uh, and Lord, thank you for the people that have been sent out already from this congregation, not only as leaders, but just people in other congregations. I think of good friends like Mark Side, Diane Cohen, uh, uh, Seth, uh, uh, Seth Clayman, uh, also Mike and Tony Ray down in Florida, uh, and just other people who, are, uh, who come from this congregation and are making a difference in varieties of ways, uh, serving in all kinds of different capacities. Lord uh, God, we thank you. May we always be a light in the midst of this dark world. And may we never be discouraged, but may we always remember that you are the one who called us and you are the one who will sustain us. We thank you. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen.